This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is the World's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on smartphone or on smart speaker. This is our Auto Expert, where two million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles. Today in the studio, along with Mercedes boy Jeff and uh, my friend Andy. Is it all right if I call you Mercedes boy? Um, well, you are the editor of Star Magazine, which I, is I which is Mercedes the Star, which is the Star. Yes, or is that what we call it, the Star? The Star, the membership magazine of the Mercedes Benz Club of America. And Luke's. my my old radio pal uh, Andy is here too. Good morning, world. Uh, the Star. Um, I noticed on the cover of this episode of the Star, it looks like the passenger in your SL here is a little bit of trouble seeing over the. You know that that story. The reason we picked that that image for the cover uh, is a that's a father and son uh, duo who yeah. restored the dad's old uh, 230SL that he uh, bought in Germany in the 1960s, and oh, wow. uh, it's a very poignant story because the dad, uh, the father, was slipping away in dementia um, as they were working on the restoration and uh, made it to the end to appreciate. The uh, the results that they got. Happy New Year, everybody! Nice, well done. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like no, we should. A, have you know, it's a really heartwarming story. I feel like we should story. have the end credit music from the Incredible Hulk <laughs> playing right now. Do 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 do. It is a great story. Now I have to read it. You do realize what you've done to me now, too. I I do. After I shamed you after being cut, not being able to see over the dashboard <laughs> of the magazine. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, we do have a packed show, which we probably have to get to as soon as possible because. We have a lot of stars on the show. It's the best of show today, the best of 2020. I know it's pretty hard to find the best of in yeah. anything in 2020, but we're going to do it. We've set ourselves a goal. Uh, Jeff plays an important part in the best of show, um, and we're going to talk about some of the best vehicles, the best green cars of 2020. Jeff's going to tell us about the best family vehicles. We're going to look at the best trucks. Sean Holman joining us uh, to talk about the best trucks. If you don't know Sean, he is from the Motor Trend Group. He is a truck and off-road uh, guy, uh, very famous. You've seen him on YouTube and uh, all the truck magazines. Mike Cadell is going to talk about the best muscle cars of 2020. Uh, John Vincent from uh, US News and World Report joining us to give us the scoop on uh, the best SUVs. Perry Stern on the best executive, uh, sorry, the best uh, exclusive, um, I would say, top end vehicles. Anton Wall will be here, and Brian Armistead is going to tell us uh, from Roadfly is going to tell us about the best luxury cars. Uh, we Andy and I rode in today in the new BMW 430i, which is their two-door coupe, um, kin to the 5 Series, uh, but it's the two-door coupe version, and it has the new BMW front end, of which, I will say, it does look like an angry rabbit. It has sort of the buck teeth front, but I do love it, but Jeff is not a fan. No, no, I, I think that the, uh, the new BMW front end is incredibly ugly. Oh, wow. Mm. Well, we, when we took it out yesterday, um, I got catcalled twice. Yeah. So <laughs> either, you know, girl, the, the dad bod trend is evolving into also buck teeth. Perhaps it was hunters. 
know, I, I just think it's it's a little too in your face. It's a little too garish, uh, especially for a brand with the 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 history and the reputation of BMW. It it doesn't need to be that out front with that with that nose. I think you just named me right there. Garish in your face. Mm. <laughs> a little bit maybe. So I don't know. That's that's how I like it. I mean, it's it's the four thirty. The trouble is, once you've driven an M car. It's yeah. into a non-M car. Right. It's like, oh, well, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Everything is nice. It's I like their tech, all that sort of thing. It's it's pretty awesome. But the new the new grill is somewhat challenging. All right. Well, let's start off with the some of the best of 2020. Uh, joining us on via telephone is uh, Banked Halverson. Banked, of course, is uh, the big cheese over at uh, um, the. I guess. Banked, would you call yours the premium green car website? Uh, are you the number one green car website in the country? Oh. Oh, we lost Bank. They're reconnecting Bank right now. Somehow we lost Bank. But, uh, yeah. He's out there sitting in all the SUVs. <laughs> well, there's a lot going on in the EV segment right now. He is the senior, uh, senior editor from Green Car Reports. Uh, we'll get him back on the phone. He was on the phone for a second. Um, there is, I mean... Th- We've been waiting like five years for all the green cars to appear, and they've started to appear. But it's sort of frustrating, you know, how we're waiting for these green cars to come, and they haven't quite got here yet. I mean, they are starting to get here. It's been sort of the luxury end of the Tesla that have had the green cars, Audi's e-tron, the e-tron, uh, the GT, and, and those sort of things, and Tesla. But they're starting to drift in. And we've seen a lot of concept cars, the new Aria, uh, things like that from Nissan. Um, the Mark-E is probably the first of a long line of non-luxury because there's plenty of luxury right the ipace those are things but non-luxury evs starting to arrive it's the family evs that are affordable i mean Mm -hmm. the bolt you know, there's lots of little ones like the Bolt and the Leaf and sure. that size. And they've kind of come in the you know the the two ends of the spectrum, right? You either had the Bolt at the at the affordable you know uh, end, and uh, and and then the the high end stuff. Uh, my sister has a uh, deposit on a Maki, and they just informed her over the weekend that uh, her her car has been made and is going to be headed to the dealerships before the end of the month to take delivery. Um, that sort of stings a little bit wow. because I had a marquee that should have been delivered already and uh, Ford accidentally um, canceled my order. <laughs> However, it's a bittersweet story yeah. because to make up for it, they got me a new Bronco. Oh, well. And it's sitting in my driveway right now. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm so, jealous of you. A Bronco Sport, I should say, not a Bronco. A Bronco Sport. And it was supposed to go, I think, on sale on the 17th, and I got it on, this, on the 12th. Nice. And so the dealer was like, oh, I wasn't supposed to sell you that until the 17th. But it, it, it arrived you, at my house you, the 12th. Yeah, so. it was really funny watching them run after you in the rearview mirror. <laughs> no, <laughs> we can't. So All right, I think Bank, are you back with us, Banked? Yes, Banked, are you back with us? I'm back. Oh, there you are, there you are. So we were, we were filling in, talking about some of the EVs uh, that sort of had come out this year. Jeff was saying that his his uh, sister had a... a a Ford Marquis on order. It's it's this uh, hurry up and wait syndrome that we are almost done with, with all these EVs that are piling up, waiting to come to market, and it's very frustrating. We've got the luxury, we've got the small leaf and bolt size ones, and we're waiting for the middle of the market to fill out. What are some of the highlights for 2020? Yeah, it's been it's been it's been a uh, I mean 2020 has been quite a year, um, but. 
2020 ended up being for those of us who are waiting for this electric vehicle, um, for, for this explosion of electric vehicles to arrive, um, it didn't quite get here in 2020. I mean, a few of the key models did. And when originally, when, when you were asking me sort of what are my top three electric picks of the year, I looked back at 2020 and, and to my, um, to my surprise, I only saw that, that three, what I can tell, three completely new from scratch electric vehicles arrived to the U.S. market in 2020. Um, and that was the, the Model Y, um, the, the Polestar 2, and then the Model And these are the, these are the three sort of brand new from scratch electric vehicles that, that um, you can actually, you could actually buy by the end of the year 2020 and that just shoveled a whole lot of of these electric vehicles that we're all waiting for um into 2021 2021 is going to be quite the year um when you look back at these three vehicles though um at least at least a couple of them are really important like the model y uh that takes the the tesla formula that's generated so much buzz of taking, you know, this very advanced battery technology that gives them a leg up on all the competition and um, fits it to what I'd say is kind of is kind of the best selling form in the US market, this kind of compact crossover and it and you know, it can perform really well, you know, near near supercar level performance um in in the performance version it starts at about 50 grand so it's not super affordable but it's it's affordable enough for many right um and when you look at like things like the model e and the the marquee that's probably the one that's most affordable out of these that's right it probably considering that there's this wonder there's this federal tax credit that still applies i think it pushes it down to it pushes it down to 43 thousand i think if you apply that something like that yeah yeah and, and we don't know what's going to happen in in the new year um it, some of it depends on on um elections yet yet you know yet this month but the, the federal tax credit might be renewed or extended for for the companies that have already exhausted their tax credits so tesla and gm might go back to being able to offer that the tax credit and that that would make the the competition tighter again but but for now Ford is is offering one of the best um electric car deals out there in the mach-e in you know, i just i just looked it up bank is actually 43 minus the tax credit so the cheapest uh mach-e you can buy i think is 43 it brings it down to 36 which is actually very reasonable um for that's for right and, and i have I haven't yet driven the rear wheel drive and I've heard from colleagues who have that, that the rear wheel drive is, is might be the, the better performing of the two or might be the, the I should I should say the more fun to drive right. of the two. 
I actually did get a chance to to drive all of them in uh, in LA, and it was uh, quite astounding that they are, they all perform pretty well. Um, Bank, I really want to have you back on to talk more about the because we've held up 2020 with all these electric cars that haven't come out, and I want to get you back on to talk about electric cars of the future that are that have been held up and will be coming next year as well because there is a lot of them. Bank is the senior editor at Green Car Reports. Read his stuff; it's really really good. We'll be back. Jeff will tell us about his best vehicle. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show. Our website is ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Uh, Jeff Zerschmied is the editor of Star The Star. It is the Mercedes-Benz magazine, but he also writes for many other outlets, including um, the Portland uh, Weekly or bi-weekly newspapers. We call it bi-weekly? Uh, twice weekly. Twice weekly. Uh, newspaper, which is? The Portland Tribune. The Portland Tribune. You do automotive and business writing for them. Yes. Correct. Uh, and you have chosen what you believe are the best family cars of 2020. They are, of course, 2021 models. So let's run down them, Jeff. Sure. Uh, what are the three models you think are the best for 2020? You know, the one that impressed me, I think, the most uh, as far as you know what I was expecting versus what I saw um, was the uh, Chrysler Pacifica all-wheel drive. Um, Chrysler went away from all-wheel drive on their minivans uh, in, in 2004 um, because they went to stow-and-go seating where the seats fold down flat into yep. the floor. And they finally went back to their engineers and said, we want both, make it work. And they did. Uh, so the new one um, has the stow-and-go seating, and you can get all-wheel drive. I was in uh, North Carolina driving it uh, when we were getting the tail of... Or uh, even South Carolina. And, uh, we were dodging between North Carolina and <laughs> South Carolina. Um, and uh, But it was the Hurricane Etta was was dumping huge quantities of water and that yeah. minivan was so nice to drive it was solid it was pleasant it was everything i wanted um comes with the 3.6 liter pentastar v6 engine which is a great great uh drivetrain long proven uh the other really cool thing is they have a thing called the fam cam yeah which is this it's like fisheye lens up in the ceiling and it allows you from the driver's seat you can you can bring up the the camera and it'll show you all the rear seating positions in the second and third rows yes and you can punch up you know you just sort of touch somebody uh who's uh on the screen who's uh sitting in the back and then it'll zoom in on that person so even if you've rear, got even rear facing child even seats. rear facing child seats yeah. that's why it's a fisheye and so um the only thing missing, really by the way, on your kids. the only thing missing is uh, a device to slap knees. Yeah, right. <laughs> if it has something to slap the knees of the kids in the back, it would be m magical. There you go. And and they've they've really done their homework for a family car. This is this is great. Ninety seven standard safety features, uh, full speed collision warning, adaptive cruise control, uh, automatic headlights, and it starts at thirty five thousand oh four five dollars. Uh, with front-wheel drive, or 38,040 with all-wheel drive. Um, so I agree. Uh, Chrysler Ho home Pacifica, run. home run. run, absolute home run. Now Nissan has also completely updated all new, uh, the very popular Nissan Rogue yep. uh, 
compact uh, crossover SUV yep. uh, for 2021. Uh, 2.5 liter engine, 181 horsepower. Uh, so great performance. And here's the thing for families. They put their Safety Shield 360 uh, safety package as standard on yep. all trims. Agreed. So you can walk in and say, give me the most affordable one on the lot, and you will still get the blind spot monitoring, traffic sign recognition, uh, driver alertness um, thing. It keeps an eye on you while you're driving. Uh, rear door alert, and uh, optionally, you can get their Pro Pilot Assist, which is their assisted driving feature. Um, and uh, if you get the navigation, which is also optional, it will it will uh, automatically reduce speed when it's coming to the exit that you want to take on the freeway, for yeah. example. So some really good technology there, and they also gave you some really cool storage with like it'll take a gallon jug of milk in the back, so that doesn't go sliding across or, the uh, back. Or if you're not family oriented like me, and you mm -hmm. have dogs and no kids, it's uh, 1.5 liters of rum. Exactly, exactly. And that one and the the uh, the new Rogue 2021 Rogue starts at 25,650 um, for front wheel drive, or 27,050. Uh, with all-wheel drive. It should so be noted, though, the rum is extra. The rum is extra, as is the milk, <laughs> and you have to provide your own children or dogs. Yeah. Um, or not. But uh, still, great deal, super affordable um, on, a, on a vehicle with great safety features. I agree with that one, too. That's and awesome. my last home run is the 2021 Subaru Crosstrek Sport. Um, now, I've always been a fan of, um, of Subaru and of the Crosstrek, uh, but, you know, the Crosstrek always felt to me just like it was a little underpowered. And so what I wanted was just a little more grunt out of that thing. And they finally put their 2.5 liter engine, which is from the Forester, yeah. um, into, into the Crosstrek. And uh, it's got 182 horsepower, plenty of power now. Uh, this thing was so much fun to drive. I took it out to the coast over the mountains. Super fun. All-wheel drive, of course, standard, symmetrical all-wheel drive. And in the sport trim, you get their X mode, which is hill descent control and uh, serious off-road traction control. So if you want to go camping, you want to get down to that lake or whatever, um, the, uh, the X mode is really what you want. And now, I haven't driven this one, so I can't say. But the, the problem I've always had with Subarus has been the lackluster drive. And and this fixes that. Um, I just I really enjoyed this car, and it comes with standard eyesight safety, uh, which includes adaptive cruise control, lane keeping assist, and all that other good stuff that you wanted. Right. Um, well, good, because because I'm trying to put my parents into a new car, so that might be a good choice for them. Yeah. All right. Well, those are the, those are the family vehicles that uh, Jeff has chosen. Um, can we read about these somewhere, Jeff? Uh, yeah, I've uh, I've actually reviewed all of them at the Portland Tribune. Um, so go to the Portland Tribune website and click on wheels. Let me just mention that the uh, Crosstrek starts at $26,495 with all of the features that I mentioned. Awesome. That's, uh, that's a good choice. I, I wholeheartedly, uh, although I haven't driven the Subaru Crosstrek Sport, I uh, wholeheartedly support those. The uh, Chrysler Pacifica all-wheel drive, the 21 we are talking about, the Nissan mm -hmm. Rogue 2021, and also the Subaru Crosstrek Sport 2021, are Jeff's choice for the family cars for 2021 out of the uh, model, model year 2021, which was shown last year at 2020 or on sale last year. Yep. When we come back, we're going to 
talk to Sean Holman. He is the content director of Truck and Off-Road Group. He is the co-creator and co-host of The Truck Show. Nobody knows more about trucks than Sean does. He'll be on the show telling us what the best trucks of 2020 were. We also, in this show, get to talk about the best muscle cars, the best SUVs, the best exotic cars, and the best luxury segment vehicles. That's all coming up as our auto expert continues today. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. This is our auto expert show, our auto experts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us, ask us a car question, just direct messages at our auto expert. Our auto expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. Going through some of the best of 2020 vehicles, turning our eyes to trucks. Sean Holman is the contact director of Trucks and Off-Road Group. He is also the co-creator and co-host of the Truck Show, the podcast. He is part of the Motor Trend Group. Uh, Sean, we wanted to pick your brain. It's an interesting year as far as trucks are concerned because uh, new trucks are sort of uh, staggered a little bit. We were expecting some new trucks. We sort of got new trucks towards the end of the year, but a lot of vehicles are sort of suspended through to 2021. So what was new in 2020 and what caught your eye? Well, that's absolutely right. I mean, uh, this was a strange year for those of us in automotive, and there was a lot of uh, highly anticipated vehicles that we thought would be out earlier in the year. But by no means was there a a desert of trucks. Um, The Nissan Titan, which I still uh, think is the most underrated uh, half-ton truck on the market, was redesigned for 20. Beautiful new interior, 9-inch screen. uh, Still has the best warranty in the business. And uh, I I think that that is one of those trucks that um, if you're in the market, you should have it on your list. The, uh, the other big ones that were uh, that came out this year, the GM 1500 diesel, so both the GMC Sierra and the uh, Chevy Silverado with the six-cylinder clean sheet design uh, Duramax engine, straight six, um, really a powerhouse. I don't know if anybody really uh, was expecting that engine to be that good, uh, fully modern, super powerful and smooth, the perfect match for the, uh, the half-ton market. Let's jump and, back. Um, let's, let's just jump yeah. back to the Nissan for a second. So sure. it, I own uh, the last generation, or before it had the mid-cycle refresh. I, I have one yeah. of these, 2018, I think it is officially. Uh, it's a great truck. It's a really good truck, but it just Americans just don't seem quite ready to adopt it. They they don't seem to be running out to dealers to buy it. Uh, and, and even when you turn to the other Japanese maker, Toyota, that makes the Tundra, Tundra sort of stuck at that 100,000 selling every year. Uh, even though these vehicles border on being as good as some of the American trucks, Americans just don't seem to be quite ready to jump into a Japanese truck. And even though they match and they have great warranties, why aren't Americans ready? You know, I, I don't know if it's uh, if it's the product itself. I really think it's kind of dealership density. If you look at the uh, imports, you know, they're uh, typically on the smile states, the coasts. Uh, not where, you know, your typical middle American, you, you know, you may find a Ford dealer, you know, in middle America being five or ten minutes from you and the nearest Toyota or Nissan dealership right. an hour from you. Yeah. And I think that sort of, uh, you know, has an impact on um, the, the choices that consumers make. And, of course, we can't ever forget how brand loyal uh, people in that segment are. 
Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot more sense too. Plus, if your dad owned a Ford, it's likely that you're going to own a Ford. Mm-hmm. So you tend to do what family has done along the lines. All right. And now, yeah. diesel, uh, according to JD Power and Associates, diesel was the largest growing uh, alternative fuel in 2020. So that's kind of strange. Yeah, and I wanted to give yeah. a, a hearty second to your uh, endorsement of that three-liter uh, GMC and Chevrolet uh, Duramax. I I drove the GMC Sierra with that that uh, straight-six Duramax all the way to the Arctic Ocean and back last winter. So uh, it was, and it did fine. Yeah, they're uh, they're great engine, clean sheet design. Uh, GM did it in-house. It wasn't something that they used, you know, partnered with the diesel manufacturer. And it's as good as anything out there. Uh, truck's not necessarily my favorite, but the powertrain with the 10-speed is, is phenomenal. All right. So what else is on the on the docket? Of course, we probably couldn't miss talking about the F-150. Well, you know what? I was going to say, so F- F-150, um, I know they've got the redesign for 21 that's just coming out. But I think that it's we should mention the F-250 Tremor package with the 7.3 oh, yeah. big block push rod gas engine. I think that's one of those things that surprised people. That is 430 horsepower, 475 uh, pound-feet of torque, 35-inch tires from the factory, big shocks, and still can tow you know, 15,000 pounds or so when properly equipped. I think that was the surprise because if you're into the Super Duty, most people are thinking, oh, man, I, I don't know if I can afford the diesel. Well, this gives you a real alternative now, way better than the GM 6.6 uh, gas engine. That's a true big block, a true push rod. Here in 2020, the fact that you can get that truck blows my mind, and it's so good. It truly is, for the majority of consumers, a diesel alternative if they don't want to pony up the extra eight or $9,000 for the diesel version of that truck. And uh, after driving, and I have to tell you, it was a lot easier to drive than I uh, remember previous generations. Uh, it was quiet and easier to drive, so the technology has advanced as well. Uh, for somebody that doesn't drive big trucks all the time, I didn't have any trouble getting into it and maneuvering it. And I'm always worried when I jump into a, a huge truck about making sure I don't make a fool of myself. But uh, <laughs> Ford have pushed themselves far enough uh, ahead to make the vehicle's technology easy enough to handle. Some of those older vehicles, when you get into some of those big 250s uh they are hard work to get around yeah they're a handful and i think it just shows how much effort ford's put into the uh the new gas uh super duty platform it is really a, a joy to drive when it comes to big trucks and very easy and again you you know you don't have to worry about the fluctuation of diesel prices or you know the additional cost or the def fluid having an additional fluid that you need to put in there um, so cost of ownership is a lot less and cost of getting in is a lot less. Now, you'll do a trade-off in fuel economy, but other than that, I don't think there's any drawbacks to the gas uh, powertrain in that particular truck. Are we still able to buy trucks? I mean, I know almost every truck factory was closed down, um, and if you want a very, very specific kind of truck, you might be out of luck, but are there still trucks on dealer lots? Yeah, there are, and uh, I, I don't know, you know, last time I went to the dealer to kind of peruse, they're all, uh, you know, white, black, silver, you know, so you might have a hard time trying to find that, that exact model that you want. You may have to order it now. Um, but if you're looking to make a deal, you know, there's plenty of 20s that are still on the watch right now. Talk about the, uh, the smaller trucks, the Tacomas, the, uh, the Gladiators. Are they still as vibrant uh, in, in 2020? Did they still carry forward? We saw the new Mojave and those type of things this year, trim levels. Uh, were they making an impact in 2020? You know, it's funny because the, uh, the Toyota, basically the chassis, the platform dates back to 2005, right. even though it's had some updates over the years. 
and it continues to sell the Overland market for those guys that uh, go car camping with uh, really uh, expensive tents and all that kind of stuff. Still love, absolutely love the Tacoma. But in that market this year, some new competition came through. Uh, the Chevy Colorado ZR2 was one of those things that made some uh, made some strides into those enthusiast markets, as well as the Gladiator. I mean, it's uh, having a a truck that has all the goodness of the Wrangler, the only one that offers solid axles uh, for really good off-road capability, and the fact that it still has a really decent payload. Um, it's, it really checks a lot of boxes for a lot of people, and I think it's the first time that you know enthusiasts have had a real competition to that, you know, the stalwart, which seems to be Toyota in that space. We'd be sorely in trouble if we didn't talk about the new TRX. <laughs> oh, my. I mean, this is, we all knew it was coming. Um, I am on, I'm just blown away with what Ram engineers have been able to do with that. In our testing, we did zero to 60 at 4.3 seconds, 12, nine and a quarter mile at 109 top speed of 117 miles an hour, 35 inch tires, uh, 12, or excuse me, 13 inches of front travel, 14 inches of rear travel, fully active Bill Stein dampers on it. First time that's happened in the marketplace. And the amazing thing is it still has a 1,310 pound payload capacity and can still tow 8,100 pounds. It literally is a truck that does it all. It's not a one-trick pony. It's, uh, it's, was, the frame was so modified, they actually increased the gross vehicle weight rating over the standard Ram 1500. And it is a pleasure to drive because of that active suspension. Just unbelievable capability. Amazing truck, but fuel economy, boy. Yeah, if you can afford that truck, you're, uh, you're not worried about the fuel economy because the... Uh, the smiles per mile is uh, way better, <laughs> and uh, will make you forget uh, about those gas, you know, gas stops. And when you pull up to a sports car and you smoke them in a sixty-three hundred-pound truck, right. um, the amount of happiness that uh, you just, you know, it's <laughs> it's unbelievable. It, it's one of those vehicles that's very special. There's no auto start-stop. There's no electrification. It's, in my story I wrote, it's a love letter to the internal combustion enthusiast from Ram. It's the last time you're going to be able to buy a vehicle like this, probably forever, yeah. as we move into new technologies. And so if you're that hardcore gas V8 one, you know, performance person, this is the last opportunity to get into that world. I did play a game with myself to see how low I could get the fuel economy, and I think it was somewhere around four, <laughs> four miles a gallon at some point. So uh, I think 10 in the city and about 14 on the highway is what it's rated at. But if you uh, stomp yeah. it everywhere you go and you race everybody <laughs> at every single on-ramp, you could probably get it down to around four. Uh, yeah, I was able to do that. <laughs> right. Uh, out of everything, uh, your money's on the line, Sean. Your pocketbook, what are you buying this year? Uh, I, would, I would buy the TRX uh, if money was no object because it's going to be a collector's item. They're, they're going to be limited. Um, the fact that, again, it, it really represents that last final uh, golden era of the internal combustion engine in a performance truck. There isn't going to be another thing like it. To me, I've got to say TRX because it's going to be the most special out of everything we've talked about in the years ahead. 2021, is it going to be a good year for trucks? Yeah, it is going to be a great year for trucks. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, in the market, you've got the uh, redesigned F-150. Uh, you've got some uh, – the Tundra, I believe, is, is due out at the end of the year. And then there's other stuff in the what I like to call the near-endemic truck market, you know, the SUV space you look at um, – Bronco, uh, you've got Ranger coming out soon. Um, you've got the new upgraded Raptor, which is supposed to be the answer to TRX. So there's a lot of interesting things coming in 21. I think as uh, 
as the year progresses right. and we get caught up, I think we're going to see some pretty amazing uh, vehicles out there. Sean Holman, we'll have to have you back to talk about some of the new trucks that will hit the market in 2021. Um, I will say that I have my Bronco Sport in my driveway. I paid cash for it. It was probably the best decision I made in 2020. Uh, thank you for joining us. More Our Auto Expert on the way. We're going to talk about the best muscle cars of 2020. That's coming up. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Over 10,000 people have downloaded Our Auto Expert podcast. Many more stream Our Auto Expert podcast. Join the happy listeners via iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, the Deezer, Podbean, and uh, CastBox apps, as well as at OurAutoExpert.com. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm Nick Miles, and this is Our Auto Expert radio show. Two million Americans get their automotive news from Our Auto Expert daily. Joining us in the studio for this show is uh, our special guest Jeff Zerschmied who is the editor of The Star which is of course uh, your uh, new gig but not your only gig you're also at the Portland Tribune and uh, to get to your articles we have to click on where Jeff you uh, go to portlandtribune.com look on the right hand side and uh, click on wheels we are the wheels section and how often are you writing uh, wheels articles uh, news uh, news items as they happen, and about one car review per week. Um, and what's your what's your latest drive? My latest drive is uh, the Mercedes Benz uh, uh, AMG GLA thirty five, which oh. is quite the little compact SUV. Uh, enjoying it? Yeah, very much. Um, it is. Uh, it's it's got amazing pickup. Um, it's and the sound for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you when you it, it actually has a active exhaust. So when you really romp on the throttle, it opens up the exhaust and gives you this very satisfying uh, exhaust note as you rocket away from wherever it is you don't want to be. Where do you feel? Uh, how do you feel about uh, fake? When I say fake, how do you feel about sound that's pumped through the speakers oh, of the vehicle? That's ridiculous. That's really? like it's like it's like kids putting a, a playing card in the spokes of your of your of your bicycle tire you know it's it's see i'm about visceral reaction right if it makes me feel good why why yeah but it's not real yeah but it makes me feel good (laughs) right well then then that's why they did it and and they're certainly not going to stop doing that sort of thing just because i don't like it but uh um i don't know it makes me feel good but on the amg it's it's honest noise it's honest exhaust note um, what's the what's the car that probably has the best exhaust note for you? Oh gosh, um, you know if it, if it was uh, the the uh, the GLA thirty five would be a top contender right now. Really, um, but uh, you know there really is there really is nothing like the Hellcat engine from the from the the FCA family. The, the one that surprised me was the LC five hundred. The LC500 has a good exhaust note, too. I didn't expect it to have such a good exhaust note. I mean, if you like exhaust notes, you probably like, you know, rumbly exhaust notes, which is why I go Hellcat. Um, You know, one one car that that has always had a great note is the Miata. Uh, The Mazda Miata, they they tune it for that. Can four cylinders have a great exhaust note? Absolutely. It can have a a snarly exhaust note. Um, You know, like the, uh, the old British cars have fantastic exhaust notes you go back to the 50s and 60s and and just uh they had a, a pushrod four-cylinder engine with with stunning notes 
It's interesting because, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember what any of my old British cars sounded like. I know that's sad. Well, today they would sound like uh, like they weren't running especially well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, um, even back then, I'm not sure they were running I pretty mean, well. Cars, new cars now, you know, they run so smoothly, and you get you get such a nice smooth note, and there's no rasp to it, or or uh, you know what what we would call uh, you know the cam noise that you used to get. Uh, I just love. I think there's something about starting up a car. I, I had a. Um, a Hellcat in San Diego mm -hmm. uh, about two Christmases ago, and we had it down by the beach. And what we did was we we parked it outside a restaurant across the other side of the square. Mm -hmm. And we were sitting in the restaurant on the second floor eating breakfast, and we watched people walk past the car. This is when you know soon after they came out, and people would walk past it off coming off of the beach with their families, and then they'd all stop and look at it, and we'd do the auto start from sitting in the restaurant. <laughs> Watch everybody jump back <laughs> I think that was probably uh, that was probably my favorite moment with them. I'm I'm not necessarily I, I couldn't own uh, a red eye or a Hellcat uh, for the pure reason that I I'd just be in too much trouble. I, I talked to Scott Brown at uh, mm -hmm. at Dodge about this. Neither of us could own one. Because we'd just be in too much trouble. I mean, I would just genuinely be in too much trouble. It would have a lot of potential for that. But, you know, I think the the uh, the, the cure for that one might be the Durango Hellcat. Um, you know, I love the way that they're putting the, the Hellcat engine around the the, the product. Even family. an SUV with 700 horsepower, I'm, I'd be in too much trouble. Even if I had a GL, you know, an AMG uh, GLS 63. I'd still be in trouble. My my colleague at the Portland Tribune, Jim Redden, uh, referred to that as uh, as the world's fastest school bus. Ouch! <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that's a compliment. I don't know. I mean, it, it maybe. It was uh, a colorful opinion, um, but you I, know, if we're if we're on muscle cars, uh, you know, the the Hellcat really um, kind of reigns supreme right now. Um, although uh, there are some awesome Mustangs and. And, uh, and Camaros in, in the game as well. I think I could probably talk about this, but uh, I talked to, uh, I talked to, to Tim Kaniskas about this, and he said he only had to sell 6,000 Hellcats to make it work, and the first year he sold 26,000. Oh, sure. Let's talk to the yeah. guy that, uh, that is my muscle car go-to, uh, Mike Cordell. So, Mike, uh, tell us what you think were the best muscle cars of 2020. Well, thanks, guys, and... Oh, sorry for being on late today. You know, it's that Christmas holiday uh, thing catching up to me. Hey, so, uh, Nick, there are three cars that kind of blew my socks off this last year, and two of them happened to fall into that Dodge category. So that Dodge wide body, the Charger, absolutely stunning, 700-plus horsepower, 70-plus thousand starting price, and it's just a rocket. So they've got that, and then they've got the Challenger, just two incredible cars. I don't know how they continue to keep building the challenger in a way where people want to just buy that same look and model, but they do again, 700 plus horsepower. And then one little surprise, I think all of you uh, is the C 63 by Mercedes Benz. Um, I would never put a Mercedes in a muscle car category, but Holy smokes, I drove it from here to Atlanta and the thing was so fast and it sounded like a muscle car, which was something that blew my socks off. Yeah, I think uh, as long as it has a V8 engine, what are the, the criteria of a muscle car uh, has drifted over the years, but I think it, has, uh, it had to have a V8 engine 
um, and a it long did. herd. And I think there was a couple other things, but I think there are a lot of uh, there was even some some Korean cars that met initially the muscle car uh, criteria. There was some, some the early Genesis Coupe met the muscle car criteria mm-hmm. uh, to be it, a muscle it, uh, car. It did. Yeah, rear wheel drive and, and V eight, and, and they're moving else. into four doors too, which is yeah. kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So you're starting to see muscle cars really move into a four door, you know, category, which is which is cool. I would never put the Stinger in that category, but you know, it's got a little bit of muscleness to it, and I think that's what makes it unique. And you can slide it in the back door of that category. Yeah, no, it's it's totally cool. Um, and you, presumably, if you had to put your own money down on it, I'm going to guess you'd go for the four door since you have two kids. I would. Pr- oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I ruined your Christmas for you. Yeah, he just said it last night. He's like, Dad, if we could pull off a Charger, you know, that would be that would be the one that he would want in the garage. Me personally, I'd like the Mercedes, but I think he's right. You know, if you want a muscle car and you want a four door, you're going to go with that. You're going to go with that four door, and it's just that Charger is amazing. Uh, do make sure you go to Our Auto Expert because Mike and I will have a muscle car review up there. We're going to continue with our best of 2020 when Our Auto Expert comes back. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is the world's car radio show. Vaz Throttle will feature it on air online on smartphone or on smart speaker. This is Our Auto Expert, where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with Mercedes boy Jeff and uh, my pal Andy. Hello, world. Uh, um, Jeff, uh, you know John Vincent pretty well, don't you? One of my closest friends. One of your closest friends. John Vincent is from U.S. News and World Report. Uh, and John has compiled a list of some of the best SUVs for 2020, which would be 2021 models. Uh, John, I don't know what your list is. I have some possibles here, which uh, were supplied to me because Jen has the day off. So why don't you start us off and then we'll just chime in and tell, tell you whether we, you're wrong or right. Good morning and happy new year to you guys. Same to you. Um, well, you know, my list is probably similar to the lot, a lot of the lists of you guys and consumers right now. Okay. Um, and there are two companies right now that are knocking it out of the park with every SUV they build. And those companies are Hyundai and Kia. I agree with uh, that. And, you know, leading off with uh, their big SUVs, the Kia Telluride is just hard to beat in that segment. It, there are a lot of strong contenders, you know, Toyota Highlander, uh, Honda Pilot, but nothing touches the uh, the uh, Telluride except perhaps its um, corporate sister, the, um, the Palisade. Hyundai Palisade. Do you know what they call the Telluride inside Kia? The Celluride. Yeah, because they can't <laughs> keep it in stock. In fact, I uh, found out that it only has a five-day lot life, so it only lives on a dealer lot for five days usually on average, which is pretty unheard of for almost any vehicle in the United States. Yeah, yeah the interesting thing is they're not selling the small or the, the uh, lower end of the lineup or the mid-range. They're selling the top-of-the-line, fully-loded, nearly $50,000 Tellurides hand over fist. Well, they're great. You know, I I went to the um, the uh, Texas Motor Press Association off road event, and they had a Telluride, and they're like, "Yeah, take it off road." And I was like, "Seriously?" You know, one of these sort of shopping mall wagons, and the thing the thing performed. It was uh, it was really stunning, and it was comfortable, and yeah, it ticks all the boxes. 
It used it to, to it, it used to start at about thirty thousand dollars, and I think I noticed this year it's crept up to like thirty four or something. They they put the starting price up a little bit. Yep. So at the opposite end of their lineups, you have two other vehicles. You have the Kia Seltos, the subcompact, and the Hyundai Kona, which are both fantastic vehicles in those segments. Yeah. Um, it, two vehicles that are tough to beat. They come with the same 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranties. But great vehicles. Do you think that the Telluride is going to change? I mean, it's been out for two years but do you think it's going to change how other automakers approach the segment? I think that the Telluride was late enough to that market that they looked at what mistakes other automakers were making and did not make the same mistakes. Uh, they were able to bring it in and provide more content at the same price than any other automaker. It's interesting to note something like the Ford Explorer, which was king of that segment for such a long time, for so many years. And it was the, one of the first vehicles in that segment. But Ford really, really hurt themselves with this latest version. The vehicle itself is solid. It's well done. It's it's just a good vehicle. But Ford had some big fumbles. I mean, in 2020, it was the most recalled vehicle of 2020. It has multiple recalls in it. They had some major fumbles at launch, having to send it back to to Michigan from the factory in Chicago to have it retooled, the software redone. I mean, they had some real problems with it, and it shows how you can lose your place at the top very quickly by some very, very easy mistakes. It's interesting that 10 years ago, had you asked a consumer what midsize SUVs are out there that they should look at, the Explorer would have been at the top of the list. And now, for most consumers, it doesn't even make the list. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 absolutely. Is there anything outside of the Korean brands that is notable? Uh, the new uh, Toyota RAV4 Prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. a plug-in hybrid vehicle that is the second most powerful, ve- or excuse me, the second quickest vehicle in the Toyota lineup behind the Supra. Um, you know, it's not the eco-green machine you think it is. It's a very powerful uh, compact SUV that will knock the socks off uh, off you when you um, when you hit the accelerator. However, there is two notable problems with it. I think first of all, it's made in Japan, which means that production is limited, and I think second of all is production is limited because yeah. I have a friend in Texas that wanted one, and uh, basically he we had to help him get one by having the most senior person at Toyota that I know had to seconder it on a ship. And then when it got to the port in L.A., had to basically have it shipped directly to my friend who lives in Texas. And the dealer hadn't seen one. The dealer had uh, had, had them on order for four months mm-hmm. and had never seen one. And the one that hit their lot was already spoken for to somebody locally, and they didn't know how it came to them. So they are so popular and so uh, sought after that I think Toyota have created themselves a problem there. Yeah, if your name is not on the list already, you are not going to get one this year. Yeah. A little bit like the Bronco for different reasons, but uh, if you haven't put an order in, good luck. Yep, and that's another area where we're seeing a lot of movement in the uh, SUV market is the forthcoming Bronco and um, a new um, Jeep Wrangler with a V8. Um, Muscle cars in the off-road segment. It's a pretty interesting place to be right now. I like that Durango Hellcat, too. Absolutely. That's... uh, that's coming to my driveway in a few weeks. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, you're, you're going to love it. I, uh, I drove it in North Carolina. It was fabulous. 
Yeah, it's a good vehicle. It's a really good vehicle. Do you think the the trouble with I think muscle off road muscle cars or SUV muscle cars is they just really have a limited amount you can sell. Um, you know, it's mm-hmm. not a volume amount, and and American car companies are looking to make money on volumes, right? Uh, they're going to sell enough volumes with those that um, you know they'll do well with for them, and they'll also bring people to the showrooms who will then buy other vehicles. So, John, if you had to take your money, it's your money now. It's not imaginary money uh, or monopoly money, and you had to buy a new SUV this year. What would you be buying? Um, I actually uh, might be doing just that, and I am looking at the 2021 Kia Sorento. Excellent. Ooh, which is an, another notable vehicle we can talk about. I feel, and I've said this to James Bell, we've had him on this very show, and we've talked about the new Kia Sorento. I feel at the upper end, I mean, the price, you know, is is fairly expensive. You can get them up well into the 40s, 43 $44,000 if you stack them with every box checked, maybe higher. Um, I feel that they're very much going into the luxury segment. I mean, once you get inside some of these vehicles, the interiors, to me, look uh, very similar to Mercedes. Uh, Well, that's been a trend for years at the upper end. You know, with the uh, Buick Enclave Avenir, um, Explorer Platinum, you know, you've been edging up into those prices and that luxury feel and look and feel of the interiors. Uh, so it's nothing new, but um, the lines are getting blurred. In fact, for me, the the two vehicles I'm considering are an Acura RDX for nearly fifty thousand dollars, or the Tell- or the X- I'm sorry, or the Sorento. Yeah, and it's a difficult one when you get such great uh, things with Sorento, like the warranty. Um, uh, the only thing that tends to let the Sorento and or Kias and Hyundais down is the resale value traditionally, but that that is getting better. That is improving uh, dramatically. The um, residual values on those vehicles is climbing uh, climbing rather well. Um, what what What's big from the Americans this year? Anything? Or did, was it basically a flat year from the Americans? The um, a couple interesting vehicles coming from GM that um, I got to say, I was expecting to not be in love with, but I actually kind of like uh, the Encore GX and the new Chevy Trailblazer. Yeah, um, little tiny three-cylinder engines that have a lot of gusto for being tiny. Um, well-equipped, uh, good, good prices. You know, those those vehicles are going to sell uh, sell pretty well. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with you. Um, I think they're both very, very good vehicles. And GM it seems to be uh, just seems to be getting it right a lot more than I expect them to get it right. And not just with their big trucks, which you expect them to hit it out of the park with uh, everything. Anything to look forward to in 21? Um, we're going to see a lot of electrification in 2021. Uh, both fully electric vehicles, um, such as the Mercedes EQ lineup, um, the expansion of the Audi e-tron lineup and um some more plug-in hybrids and hybrids uh, including the sorento which is coming out as a hybrid for the first time and apparently on uh, the 7th of uh, this month we will uh, be able to see the new screen from mercedes which apparently uh, stretches the whole length of the dash but that's all we know so far 
So that will be interesting to find out. John Vincent is from uh, U.S. News and World Report. You can, of course, go on to their website and read uh, everything. They do a lot of lists if you're looking for vehicles. <laughs> Definitely the 10 best of this and that. You can look up some of the best SUVs. If you're going to shop for a new vehicle, it's always good to go online first of all and take a, a look at that and check out some of the vehicles that they classify the reasons to buy and the reasons to look at and uh, it's always great to have john on the show happy new year john and thanks very much still to come on the show of course we're going to delve in and take a good look at uh, what perry stern thinks are the best best exotic cars of 2020 we're also going to visit with anton wallman and take a look at how europe did over 2020 as far as electric cars are concerned and then uh, when Brian Armistead is going to uh, join us to look at those luxury vehicles and see if you had money well I guess it's the same with Perry if you had money and you didn't mind spending it uh, huge amounts of it on luxury vehicles what you could buy in uh, 2021 some of the best vehicles that he's looked at as well ourautoexpert.com is where you can hear this show and all previous shows they're right there under the podcast banner you can listen to them at your leisure you're listening to our auto expert catch up with previous episodes of the show our website is ourautoexpert.com you can hear past shows you can also see automotive videos and read insider car stories about your next ride our auto expert is where two million americans get their automotive news you'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com another automotive expert is perry stern you can read the majority of his stuff at ourautoexpert.com or at msn autos and he joins us as we review some of the best of 2020 to look at some of the best exotic cars of 2020 so perry i'm sure you have a long long list that you enjoyed but what are the top three exotic cars that you have chosen to talk about today well i had to pick one that i actually got to drive because you don't really we don't get to drive exotics very often but i did get to drive a mclaren gt earlier this year and it's one of the coolest exotics because it's comfortable and luxury inside which you don't really get from exotics typically no i mean some exotics are very hard to drive not only because they are very bare bones and often very powerful and some don't even have power steering but uh, if you drive them somewhere like la you have to deal with all the looky loos and rubberneckers who hang out of windows of other cars taking pictures of you driving exactly. your exotics so you probably don't have that much trouble in uh rural uh, Washington State as much as you do in downtown L.A., but you enjoyed the comfort. Did it treat your backside well? It did. It's, uh, you know, full leather interior. It's absolutely beautiful inside. It even has room for luggage. Oh. Uh, and it still has a, you know, massive, uh, actually, it's not a massive. It's a four-liter V8, but it puts out 612 horsepower. Wow. There's zero to 60 in 3.1 seconds. It'll go close to 200 miles an hour. And you can cruise through town like it's a luxury car. Nice stereo system. Uh, it's best of both worlds. When you test these vehicles, I have so many questions, sorry. When you test these vehicles, <laughs> do you put the windows down and pay to park? What do you do? Um, I put the windows down so I can hear the exhaust. Oh, you don't play to park then and, and like some heavy rap music or something? No, no, no. I usually, matter of fact, I very seldom turn the stereo on because most of these cars sound fantastic and the McLaren is a perfect example that's your rap um, music is the exhaust 
Exactly, and I share it with everybody around me. You do. Do you do you rev it when you go past people standing on a corner of a street? Sometimes, and sometimes <laughs> people egg me on to do that. Uh, I've actually taken uh, previous years when I've had exotics to drive, I've taken them to tunnels just to be able to drive through in the tunnel because it sounds so cool. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what, what, there's nothing that turns all of us into 12-year-old boys faster than an exotic. It, it absolutely does it. Uh, you sort of no think, question. When you pull into the coffee shop, you get uh, thumbs up from the guy driving the S-Class and the homeless guy at the same time. That's the, that's the beauty of driving some of these cars. Uh, exactly. What's the price? There, unfortunately, I haven't gotten to drive this next one we're going to talk about. Oh. Uh, but we did talk about it recently. It's the Hennessy Venom F5. Yeah. And this has to be brought up because it is the most powerful gas-powered supercar in the world. Uh, 1,817 I'm, horsepower out of its V8 engine. It sounds almost like it should be launched into the atmosphere with that sort of horsepower. I mean, it sounds like we're talking about a plane or some kind of rocket. Uh, it doesn't sound Well, like they're it. hoping it's going to go faster than typical airplane. I mean, their, their goal is to break 311 miles per hour, which is 500 kilometers per hour. Um, and it should be able to do it. I mean, with that much power, it weighs about the same as a Honda Civic about 3,000 pounds. So it's 0 to 60. They're saying about 2.6 seconds. And the crazy thing is 0 to 249 miles per hour in about 16 seconds. Why, how do they keep it on the ground? I mean, I have questions, sorry. How do they keep it on the ground? <laughs> it's got amazing aero. It's got uh, built-in you know, rear spoiler that keeps the downforce. Uh, it's got uh, channels the air through the vehicle, through the sides. Uh, it does an amazing job. I mean, and that's... That's how you build these cars. I mean, you can put ridiculous power into a vehicle, but if it doesn't have a good arrow and it's not lightweight, it's still not going to go the speeds that they're trying to hit. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm already fearful that bad things could happen with this car. Perry, let's uh, come back to uh, Perry. Let's come back to uh, the cost thing. I mean, and, and express this, please, if you will, in multiples of the value of your house. Um, what is it going to cost you to get that Hennessy or that McLaren? Uh, the Hennessy, actually, the McLaren is well, relatively speaking, not so bad. It's around two hundred grand. Oh wow! Okay. Relative, relatively speaking, so you you could you could actually buy that and a small house, possibly. Um, the Hennessy, not so much. I mean, the Hennessy is going to run. Uh, I believe it's two point eight million. Okay, so several uh, several, so several houses. Yeah, I guess yeah. it's all relevant to where you live and what you spend. Actually, sorry, that. sorry, two point one million, two point one million. I've overpriced it. Oh, is that all? And there's only two, but only twenty four of them are going to be sold. So you know, you better start saving your pennies now if you're going to get one. <laughs> yeah, I'm never going to get to two point four million. Just telling you, that's crazy. Yeah, frankly, I'd be happy just to be able to sit in this car, even when it's not moving. I'd be thrilled. Um, I mean, but, even just uh, even just seeing it would probably be a thrill for most of us. Exactly, exactly. But there, the other interesting cars that have come out this year, and just a quick mention, Lamborghini has just been putting cars out like crazy this year. Uh, and they're all really limited editions. Um, everything from what they call the Scion Roadster, which is their first hybrid. Uh, it's got a 6.5-liter V12 and an electric motor. Uh puts out, I think, a total of, uh, was it, 819 horsepower. Um, that one's $3.3 million. There's only 19 of them, and they've all been sold. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> in exactly. The, in, the exactly. Last, in the last 90 seconds, is there anything else we'd like to add to the list of potential fantasy shopping that we're doing right now? 
I just have to mention this Lamborghini SC20. Um, you know, you talk about exotics being limited. They're only building one. Oh. So when you yes, when please. you buy enough Lamborghinis, you can go tell Lamborghini, I want one like this, and really? they'll build it. Do we, uh, do we know who's no getting it? Listed. Do we know who's getting no, it? No, we don't know who, oh. and we don't know how much. We do know that it is a street-legal, open-top car that's built for the racetrack. It has no top. It has no windshield, and it has... Uh, basically a big v12 engine putting out about 760 horsepower and it looks insane hey everybody there's another thing you're not getting for christmas 2021 <laughs> yeah if only if only they were building more i would gotten you one but you know, there's only one <laughs> yeah. there you go that's a great way to get out of christmas i ordered it but they were out <laughs> yeah exactly in fact i'm Sorry, gonna go fresh out of new lamborghinis for I'm, you i'm gonna go onto the website and order it right now perry stern you can read the majority of his stuff at uh, ourautoexpert.com and msn autos he is a great guy and has absolutely great choice in taste in cars more our auto expert is on the way you're listening to the our auto expert podcast This is our Auto Expert Show. Our Auto Experts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can start a conversation with us. Ask us a car question. Just direct messages at our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert is where 2 million Americans get their automotive news daily. He's an independent analyst and investor. You can find him at the street or Seeking Alpha. That's the majority of his stuff. He always has an insight into what's happening in electric, autonomous, and the automotive car business. He looks at Europe, especially because what happens in Europe tends to trickle down into the United States. His name, Anton Wallman. He joins us on the phone today. Anton, let's take a look at how 20 2020 wrapped up in Europe as far as uh, sales are concerned. So it looks like uh, Hyundai, the Kona BEV, the battery electric vehicle, or BEV as we know it, had an unusually strong finish to 2020 in Europe. That's right. So, Nick, uh, this is a vehicle that is not much talked about in the press or certainly not here in the United States. But uh, in Europe, uh, it has actually been the unsung hero of sales in terms of getting uh, a lot done without a lot of media coverage. I mean, everybody knows that uh, for the last couple of years, the Tesla Model 3 had been the market leader in terms of unit sales for battery electric vehicles, and that uh, many people had known that late in 2020, the Volkswagen ID3 had come up from behind and taken the overall leadership. But what has uh, been given almost no attention in the media is that the Hyundai Kona BEV essentially came in in many countries in Europe as the data starts to trickle in here uh, for the last couple of days of December of 2020 uh, as a uh, sort of very close number two. And uh, this is a vehicle that was initially made in Korea, uh, Hyundai being a Korean company, and that's where their largest factories are located. But they started making this vehicle in the spring of 2020 also in Central Europe. So that enabled them to supply, in particular, the European market with far greater quantities. And as a result, in part as a result of that anyway, they were able to sell uh, more of them in Europe. And uh, that is something you'll uh, really not hear about anywhere else. Now, of course, Hyundai and Kia have a very, very aggressive electric vehicle program, and they'll be rolling a lot more electric BEVs out, BEV vehicles out over the next couple of years. So this is probably just the tier one of their electric program in Europe, right? Yeah, so what's happened is that almost all automakers, they uh, 
dipped their toes into electric vehicles a few years ago. The Kia Hyundai Alliance was first out with a first-generation Soul, which came out in the fall of 2014, and kind of the Kona Bev represented the second generation. And uh, later, toward the end of 2021, we will see uh, a vehicle that will be first geared mostly toward Europe, but will probably make it to the U.S. sometime in early or mid-2022, and that is a completely dedicated platform that will underpin most, uh, although not all, of Hyundai and Kia's dev offerings in the future. So that would become the stage three of the uh, Kia-Hyundai pure electric car rocket. How how does uh, Kia look in, or how does Hyundai look in the rest of Europe apart from, uh, you know, just uh, how does it look across Europe apart from, uh, you know, Spain and Netherlands? Is it strong in the whole of Europe or is it just in spots that they are strong? It is, it is in spots. It's not uh, everywhere. Take, for example, uh, uh, Norway, which is the uh, most mature market in Europe in terms of uh, electric car penetration. I mean, almost 85% of all cars sold in Norway these days are either a plug-in hybrid or a pure electric vehicle. Uh, in Norway... The uh, the, uh, general consumer preference has been for another type of car, mostly more expensive and higher performance cars. So Hyundai has not done as well in a country like Norway as they have done in some of the other uh, countries in Europe, ranging from the Netherlands to Spain and a few other countries in between. So uh, the full data, we will have them uh, in due course here from Europe, but uh, it is not uniform, certainly across Europe. Uh, You look at some countries in Southern Europe, they'll find that the smallest vehicles from Seat and Skoda and the Renault and Peugeot tend to dominate the sales charts, whereas in some countries in Northern Europe, it's uh, you know Audi and the Porsche Taycan and the Jaguar I-Pace seem to be doing far, far better in some of those countries. Now, we know, of course, uh, there are a lot of new electric vehicles hitting the market in Europe. So the winners, we know VW is starting to get traction with their ID family of vehicles. Who are the winners and who are the losers? Yeah, so the um, Volkswagen ID3 uh, is the winner overall in Europe for 20. 20- uh, 20 as it entered the market in the second week of September and has just dominated the sales charts in almost every country in almost any time period since then. On December 17, consider this two weeks before the end of the year, the Volkswagen ID4 started selling in one country only in Europe, and that was the Netherlands, and it uh, already became, uh, I think, the fifth best-selling uh, vehicle in the Netherlands for the month of December, even though it started so late in the year. So clearly Volkswagen with its name brand products are coming up there. Obviously, they've had the more performance and uh, luxury-oriented products, such as the Audi e-tron and its various derivatives, as well as the Porsche Taycan that have been doing well for the entire year. Uh, and then, of course, they have the less expensive vehicles from the Skoda, Seat and also from its own Volkswagen brand that are still selling rather well because of price. Uh, Tesla, are they uh, holding their own or with all these new vehicles coming out? Uh, they've always been the, sort of the, the original electric car. Uh, are they managing to keep market share or are they falling to the competition? Well, in Europe, uh, and we're speaking very specifically about Europe, and I know the audience here is mostly from North America, and that's a very different story. But in Europe, which is a roughly a third of the world market demand for electric vehicles, Tesla really took a huge beating in 2020. I mean, its market share in a country like uh, Norway was down about 50%, and in a country like the Netherlands, it was down by over 65%. So... 
these are the absolute level of sales. So keep in mind, these are markets where electric car sales have been growing typically close to 200%. If you're down at least 50% in sales year over year in a market where the overall market can be up as much as about 200%, 200% is the European all in average. So some of these countries will be more, some will be a little bit less, but those are not good trends. Uh, so it's not just that they're losing market share, they've actually been losing absolute level of sales, which is even worse. Uh, let's talk about uh, you know what's going on as far as uh, the future in Europe. The next year, 2021, uh, is expected to see more electric vehicles go on sale. Of course, the ID4 will get a bigger foothold. It'll be on sale for a whole year coming for 2021. Are we expecting to see big changes and other new vehicles come on sale? 2021 is all about more of the same. Whatever the trends that started roughly around January 1st of 2020, which is when the Europe-wide CO2 uh, fleet average um, uh, mandate kicked in. So that kicked in at the beginning of 2020, and now uh, the mandate becomes a bit stringer in 2021. But all of this culminates in the fact that we are having an avalanche of products coming onto the market from all brands, no exceptions that I can think of, uh, that will really change this market rather dramatically um, in 2021. Mercedes is going to go from having only a couple of meaningful models, the EQC and the EQV. In the U.S., we don't get the EQV. We may not get it for many years, but this is the uh, what's called the Veto or the V-Class in Europe, which is called in the U.S. as well as the Metris. It's, it's basically a, a van that's uh, geared toward the plumbers and electricians. Uh, in Europe, it's also used very frequently as a passenger van, and they made an all-electric version of it. It's made in Spain. And in some countries in Europe, it's becoming a big seller here toward the end of the year. There was this thing really started selling roughly around November 1st, and uh, you'd be surprised at the quantities that they're selling. But Mercedes is coming out with the uh, EQB, as in boy, and EQA, and then later in the year with EQS and EQE. So these will be uh, become rather meaningful sellers for BMW, that's uh, for Mercedes. And uh, um, these just did not... Um, see the light of day here in 2020. So Mercedes alone is going to upend the entire luxury pure electric car market in Europe pretty dramatically starting here in 2021. Any big changes in China as far as electric vehicles are concerned? Well, you know, in China, we have a situation where we have so many domestic brands where forget about specific models. I mean, most Americans have not even heard of these brands. I mean, some of these brands sound uh, very, very funny. Uh, and uh, they are not sold in the U.S., and some of them are very, very small vehicles. They're as cheap as $4,500 a piece in some cases. I mean, these are vehicles that are simply not, would not be marketable in the U.S., but then there, again, there are some more expensive ones that are you know, higher performance and uh, would be considered mainstream in the U.S., such as Neo, <clears throat> that are coming on the market uh, there. They're already on the market, and various other versions are add, being added to it. And then MG, that old story, British mark that is owned by Shanghai Motor uh, Corporation, uh, which is sold very uh, well in, in some countries in Europe already for about the last year or so. And uh, all of these are, uh, of course, also doing very well in China. Uh, circling back to Tesla there, I mean, clearly Tesla's year in 2020 was driven strictly by China. I mean, China had a factory for Tesla that started production roughly a year ago. 
And uh, that is what drove all of Tesla's growth in 2020. The U.S. Uh, stood, uh, you know, flat to slightly down, and Europe, as we said earlier, was down. So all of Tesla's growth came from China in 2020. All right. Anton Woolman is an independent analyst and investor. It's interesting to see what the rest of the world is doing. We'll have to hold our breath and wait to see what goes on in the United States for 2021. You can read the majority of his stuff at The Street and at Seeking Alpha. It's always good to have a look at what the rest of the world is selling as far as electric cars are concerned. Uh, soon, hopefully, we'll have an opportunity to drive some of those electric vehicles that he's mentioned. I know I'm looking forward to driving the Volvo XC40 Recharge and, uh, of course, just recently drove uh, Audi's uh, e-tron, uh, their new uh, their GT version. That was fun. All right, more to come on Our Auto. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Over 10,000 people have downloaded Our Auto Expert podcast and many more stream Our Auto Expert podcast live. Join the happy listeners via iHeartRadio, Spotify, the Pandora app, Deezer, Podbean, CastBox, and OurAutoExpert.com. Hours of endless fun await you. I'm Nick Miles. This is Our Auto Expert radio show. Two million Americans get their automotive news daily from Our Auto Expert in the studio with us today. Jeff Zerschmied, who is uh, the editor of Star Magazine and also a well-fermented auto writer, as well as uh, Andy, our pal, who was on my old morning show If if I'm well-fermented, does (laughs) that mean I'm bubbly? Uh, some things can be bubbly when they're well fermented, or you could just have a tangy zest. There you go. Which do you I'll have, take, Jeff? Well, I think I have a little of both. Okay, a tangy zest and bubbly. Yeah, bubbly zest. Sounds like someone I might like to date. Um, <laughs> but, but there you go. Uh, we are talking about the best of 2020. We've uh, talked so far about some of the best vehicles in all different category, but one category remains. And so we thought we'd bro- bring in an expert to talk about the best luxury cars of 2020, the year gone by. Brian Armistead joins us from uh, Roadfly. He has the official picks for us. So, Brian, my friend, Happy New Year to you, first of all. And, and hopefully, you. hopefully you found some luxury vehicles which were Brian's flavor for the last year? <laughs> well, that's they're all my flavor, Nick, uh, because I like large and in charge. So let's stop. Uh, let's do the top five for 2020. We got a tie at number five: the Navigator from Lincoln and okay. the Escalade from Cadillac. Okay. Large is still king, so they provide acres of interior room, all of the luxury accoutrements that you would come to expect. Now they're both still puffed up, puffed up versions of the Ford Expedition and Chevy Tahoe. But they set themselves apart with real wood trim, loads of leather, real metal interior goodies, and lots of high technology. For example, Cadillac offers a true hands-free driving system called Super Cruise. Both started, uh, both fully loaded or in the uh, low 100s. Number four, Genesis G80 and GV80. The yeah. G80 is a luxury sedan. Yeah. GV80 is their new luxury SUV. Yeah. Not the top of the line for the Genesis models, but until a refreshed G90 comes out, these are terrific offerings. They both started in, uh, in, at 48 for the uh, G80, 48.9 for the GV80. I mean, if they had a Mercedes-Benz badge, they would be the top luxury car out there. I mean, they're that good. They're just absolutely terrific. And thousands Number below th- the quant- competition as well, Brian, right? Thousands lower than the competition. I mean, the cost-value equation is really a no-brainer when it comes to the Genesis line, Absolutely. and when it comes to uh, you know the Germans and the Japanese with the with the Lexus line, number three, the new 
S-Class. It's a technological tour de force. The Germans have done it again, and they actually, in reality, Nick, take the top three spots of my little countdown here. The new S-Class redefines the story lineage of the S, which began with the W126 models, and Jeff, you can correct me if I'm wrong, like the um, 300 SD. They really made a name for themselves with the uh, still-admired W140 chassis, loads of technological features, just way too many to mention in the brief segment that I have here today, but it's going to redefine top luxury for those who really like a large luxury sedan. Yeah. Prices began at about 110K. Number two, the Bentley Continental Flying Spur. Now, the Bentley Continental Flying Spur is no longer a GT with two extra doors and no sole. The new Flying Spur is knocking hard on on number one luxury car, the Rolls-Royce Ghost, power from the new twin-turbo W12 motor, uh, all kinds of interior goodies. It's just the styling is really a striking design, whereas the sedan actually looks better than the coupe now, Nick. Uh, from 216K, you can be spoken to your heart's content, a sensational offering from Bentley. Number one, uh, without a whole lot of surprise, I would expect would be the Rolls-Royce Ghost. The all-new Ghost starts at uh, $311,000. The first one in the U.S. was delivered to Chris Jenner. That's important to note, uh, Nick, because Rolls with the new Ghost is headed in the direction they call post-opolis, where behind the wheel, instead of the back seat, is where it's at. Yeah. Now, this mm-hmm. car is no longer built on a BMW chassis. The new architecture of luxury uh, employs the extensive use of aluminum, and uh, they still have the venerable twin-turbo 6.7-liter 12, and it just really kicks butt on the road. Uh, It's important also to note that Rolls-Royce wants to appeal to more women. When I went on the press launch for the the Ghost, we went to a young influencer's house, a young Korean woman. She was bespoking her roles um, as we were at her home. I mean, literally, she was picking out options in the vehicle. And with Chris Jenner taking the first one and having met this young 30-something uh, influencer and entrepreneur who, who was bespoking her own ghost, Rose is really headed in the direction where they want to appeal not to just to stodgy old guys. They want to appeal to influencers. They want to appeal to young entrepreneurs. They want more women in the fold. This ghost is larger than the previous model. When you look at it twice, you've got to make sure you're not looking at the actual Phantom because it's a huge car, but it sure rides like a dream. It uses GPS uh, tracking to look at the road ahead to determine if you're going to run into some untoward behavior road-wise and then adjust the suspension accordingly. It's the best luxury car out there. Until I get a chance to drive the newest class, I'm putting my money on the Rolls-Royce Ghost all five, all seven, rather, of these offerings are really impressive. And that's my uh, look at the uh, top five, actually the top seven luxury cars for 2020. I think I also am impressed with something else about the Ghost, which I found interesting is the new color palette is very modern, is very sharp. The new uh, the new storm colors, uh, the sort of the purple concrete colors. I also learned a lot about horizons in the side. I didn't know this. And I learned from the designer that every single side of every car has a horizon line in it where you can look at the car and see the reflection of the horizon behind you. So there was a lot in there. Jeff, you had a question. Yeah. uh, You know, one of the things Brian sort of touched on that that I thought was was very interesting, and I've noticed it too, is uh, there's been a real shift in in the luxury market from uh, the person who owns the car riding in the back seat 
um, to the person who owns the car driving. And, and right. how is that, Brian, how, as, you, as you look at this stuff much more closely than I do, um, you know, how, does that, uh, how does that change the design and, and the focus of a, of a vehicle at this level? Well, I think it changes the design because, you know, no longer is the Phantom considered the luxury king of the hill. I mean, the Phantom is still ultimate luxury, but it's a big hulking affair. Do you really want to drive something that large every day? Uh, so with this new Ghost, it's a downsized version that offers all of the luxury of the Phantom, yet has the performance driving capabilities of a BMW. I mean, they, do, they no longer use the BMW 7 Series chassis for the new Ghost, mm-hmm. but it's still a performance-oriented automobile. They spent more time talking about the architecture of luxury with all the aluminum uh, space frame components that they put into the car to not only lighten the load, but to strengthen the chassis yeah. so that it, you could have a more uh, favorable driving experience. It is. Behind the wheel is where it's at, and it's going to stay that way as long as we're in this, um, you know, uh, confined environment that we're in there. You know, driving is now part of fun to escape COVID-19, where people can get out on the road and, and actually enjoy driving again. It's a whole new ballgame for manufacturers. Absolutely. Brian Armistead, it's always good to have you on the show. We appreciate your your picks of the best uh, luxury cars for 2020. Check out more at OurAutoExpert.com. We'll be back again next week. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Mile. Find all the show episodes at OurAutoExpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response.